What's up guys, it's Neha again with another episode of Project Simplify. So how was everyone's 4th of July weekend? Mine was wildly boring cause you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Anyways, our topic for today is one that I actually didn't know much about before. I mean, I knew that there were a bunch of horrible things going on in Yemen, but I never realized the extent of it. Honestly, for Yemen's ongoing situation to be called the largest humanitarian crisis in the world, you would expect there to be a lot more media coverage and just general awareness. But there really isn't. So, that's exactly what I'm here to do today. So to start off, to really understand Yemen's current state of affairs, we have lots of complex history to unravel. We need to understand some key players in the Middle East. So first off, we have Sunni and Shia Muslims. You guys have probably vaguely heard these terms thrown around before, but let me clarify these real quick. These are the two main sects within Islam, and their difference comes from centuries back regarding who would succeed the Prophet Muhammad. Today, of the 1.6 billion Muslims worldwide, about 85% are Sunni and the other 15% are Shia Muslims. This divide is key to understanding many parts of the conflict. Now we can trace the roots of Yemen's war all the way back to the Arab Spring in 2011. The Arab Spring was a bunch of pro-democracy protests in several mostly Muslim countries. Anyways, after those uprisings, Yemen wanted their authoritarian leader, Ali Abdullah Saleh, to hand over his power to his deputy, Abdrabu Mansur Hadi. This is mostly because under Saleh, there was wide unemployment and lots of corruption in his government. But, Hadi struggled to deal with a variety of problems when he was taking over. I mean, he had to deal with attacks by jihadists, a separatist movement in the south, the continuing loyalty of the military to Saleh, and this was all with the problems from the last government, which includes corruption, unemployment, and food insecurity. Now, Saleh's loyalists are a key player in this whole conflict, so make sure to keep them in the back of your mind. Basically, it was during this transition of power that things started going very, very wrong. This is also where we meet another one of our key players, the Houthi movement. The Houthis represent Yemen's Shia Muslim minority, and they've had several rebellions against Saleh's presidency. Although they hate Saleh, right now, Saleh loyalists and the Houthis have a common enemy, Hadi. So, they take advantage of Hadi's weakness and they took over parts of North Yemen. Now, this brings us to our second key player, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. See, Saudi Arabia is a Sunni state and they have always been hostile with Iran, as Iran is a Shia state. So, when Saudi sees that the Houthis are taking over Yemen, they immediately get scared that Iran is the one militarily backing them, although Iran was denying this. But that led to Saudi joining with the UAE and seven other Sunni Arab states, calling themselves a coalition and starting an air campaign on Yemen. Now the goal of the coalition is to stop Iran's influence and put Hadi back into power. Basically, and this is really important, this turned into a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So now you guys are probably sitting there like, oh my god, there's so much going on, Neha. Just like I was when I was doing my research. Well, let me tell you, things actually get worse. (laughs) Right around this peak instability, ISIS and Al-Qaeda join the fray and carry out several deadly attacks, harming hundreds of civilians. 
This is also when the United States joins the fray by supplying the coalition with billions of dollars worth of military weapons. Thankfully, both terrorist groups don't stay involved for long and aren't one of our key players. But don't let that make you think that they didn't displace and kill plenty of civilians. Now let's bring this more up to date. In 2017, Saleh calls for a ceasefire with the coalition. The Houthis see this as a betrayal and break off their alliance. Two days later, they end up killing Saleh. This effectively turns Saleh loyalists into hardliner anti-Houthis. Now this is also where we get introduced to our last key player, the separatist movement. This separatist movement is backed by the United Arab Emirates while they're still in the coalition. Now, if you remember, the coalition's goal was to restore the Hadi government back to power. So through investigations, it turns out that almost every member of the coalition has their own hidden agendas. See, the UAE was supporting the separatist movement to keep a strong foothold in South Yemen. All right, let's move on. In 2018, the Yemeni government and Houthi insurgency came to a UN-led agreement called the Stockholm Agreement. This involved a ceasefire, and most notably, a huge prisoner exchange. Now, while this seemed like a breakthrough at the time, it ultimately fell apart as more than 95% of the prisoners are still detained, and the ceasefire hasn't lasted either. Now we're getting a lot closer to the present. Just last year in 2019, several of Saudi's oil facilities were bombed. Now, while the Houthis claim this attack was theirs, it became obvious from investigations that Iran was the one militarily backing this. Although, Iran continues to deny it. Also last summer, after international criticism, the UAE withdrew their forces from Yemen. The most recent development here is actually from the pandemic, where Saudi Arabia called for a ceasefire. Unfortunately, the Houthis rejected it. Now all of this has been me explaining the why, behind the current state of affairs in Yemen. But the most important thing here is that just like every other war, the citizens are the ones most affected. So I want to present you guys with the statistics of what makes the worst humanitarian crisis in the world. Out of a population of 29 million, 24 million of them depend on humanitarian need. That's 80% of the population. 3.65 million people have been displaced from their homes. Now, do you remember me mentioning Saudi Arabia's air campaign at the very start? Yeah, well, one third of Saudi's airstrikes have been on non-military zones, like marketplaces, hospitals, or even schools, meaning it's been directly on citizens. As of 2019, the UN has verified over 102,000 deaths, the majority of these are civilians. But physical injuries aren't the main killer in this crisis. It's famine. See, there's an estimated 2 million kids suffering from acute malnutrition. And just wait, because it gets worse. <laughs> Yemen is officially the holder of the world's largest cholera outbreak ever recorded with the suspected 2.2 million cases. What makes Yemen's war especially terrible, too, is that aid has been turned into a weapon and a tool. The Saudi-led coalition has blockades on every front, the land, sea, and air, making it almost impossible for aid to get in or out of the country. 
Even the Houthis are blocking aid and destroying what gets through. And what food the Houthis do keep, they use as a recruitment tool. And among recruits is a high number of child soldiers. With over 3,000 child soldiers involved in the whole war, 64% of them have been recruited by the Houthis. As you can see, war never takes its biggest toll on soldiers or the forces involved in the fighting. It will always be the citizens that suffer. The world can't keep ignoring what's happening in Yemen when this many lives have been lost. I believe that the solution here does not lie in taking sides. Do you guys remember how I said this entire thing is a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran? As a world leader, I believe the best solution for the United States is to stabilize the Middle East by trying to have key players like them reconcile. Now I do realize that this is a bit idealistic of a solution, but still, if we can't solve the root of this issue, then this will not be the last time we see a war like this. Well guys, that wraps up today's episode on Project Simplify. If you guys want me to talk about more international topics, or even explain the Middle East, let me know. And as always, thanks for listening!